Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And our Father, may we see, hear, and respond with our wills to the Good Shepherd. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at the fall festival, the the time when Jesus went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a fall festival where, like many fall festivals, there was just more fun than anything going on. But Jesus took it as an opportunity to do his work and to do his will. And as he did, I think some of what he did was intentional, that he did some healing, heaven forbid, on the Sabbath. Yes, he could have waited for the next day. He could have done it the day before. But Jesus, to demonstrate that he was the sovereign Lord of all, one way of acting out his sovereignty was for him to do some remarkable things on the Sabbath day. Our text this morning comes right after he healed a man who was born blind. And the denominational authorities in the temple didn't believe him. They thought that he must be a demon because he did this on a Saturday of all things. And so Jesus begins to talk about the kind of leadership that had been oppressing the people for so long. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the 10th chapter of John. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. They follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because 
They don't know, they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. Doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. They know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is why my Father what my father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were divided again in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So my, my experience trying to visit Leo Diamond, I think is instructive here. I, um, I went up to the hospital, one of the Lee Memorial system, and stood there in front of the receptionist, and I said, I'm the man's pastor. I'm trying to get in to see this man. And I'm trying to also intercede on behalf of the family to see the father. And of course, what I received back was a policy response. But I said, I said, I'm a pastor. No one knows when someone might be in particular need of a pastor. Let's face it, I said. The reality is that, that all kinds of, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, all kinds of, of effort is gone into saving anyone who's in the hospital. And it gets to the point, doctors and nurses basically do what they can, and then they're done. They check back and they do what they can, but they essentially have done everything they can. But I said, what's really critical for healing is the love of family. And it's not just me that goes in, I carry with me the love of the whole church. That matters for the healing process. Well, she said, you know, I understand. I understand. I, I, I agree with you. But our policy, I said, well, who can I talk to? Well, you'd have to talk to Lee Health. <laughs> I said, who's Lee? <laughs> And I tried again this week. And once again, this, this was on the phone this time. I was trying to do the same thing. And I said essentially the same thing. And yet was told, for the sake of your health and the health of the community, this is our policy. I said, but I've been vaccinated three stinking times. And I got N95 masks. I'll wear three of them. 
I said, somebody's got to go into that room and empty the trash. I'll empty the trash. I'll suit up just like everyone else suits up. Well, I understand, sir, but for the sake of your health and the health of the community, the reason why I believe this applies is because the temple leadership thought they knew what was best for the people. And they did everything they thought was best for the people. So all their rules and regulations, all of their oversight and their nagging, well, it was all for their own good. Of course, C.S. Lewis had something to say about this. He said, of, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. <laughs> Those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may will be more likely to go to heaven, yet at the same time, likelier to make a heaven, a, pardon me, a hell of earth. <laughs> so we have a tyranny that is being exercised from the temple for everyone else's own good. And that, that tyranny was actually experienced in the Gospel of John, up to this point, Nicodemus, who's one of the insiders, he had to go and see Jesus at night. Probably didn't want anyone to, to see him because Jesus was already identified as the enemy. And there's the man at the pool of Bethesda, there for 38 years. Jesus healed him on the Sabbath, and so the denominational leadership declared that he must be, he must be a demon. We've got to get this man. This is also after Jesus had already cleared the temple. He had already declared the temple a place of, of tyranny, of despotism. And then there's a woman who's caught in, a, in the act of adultery. And they want to stone her, but more than that, they want to capture Jesus saying something that they could use against him. And then there was the man born blind who they didn't know. And they brought him in not to ask about his blindness and, and to, to affirm him and to rejoice with him that he could now see, but instead to find out who did this on a Sabbath. They wanted to get him. But it was for everyone else's own sake. We're going, to, we're going to tell you all what is best for you. That's the, the leadership of the temple, the denominational leadership. And it's that that Jesus refers to as false shepherds. The false shepherds seek to destroy and to kill. And the narrative up to this point is precisely that. They are trying to do everything they can to make life miserable for people and to destroy Jesus. 
And so they, they live life walking on thin ice, walking, the people of God are, are walking and living their lives with this constant ongoing anguish and fear that they might do something wrong. And into that situation, Jesus comes in and he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I'll lay down my life for these people. They are to live life fully, enjoy life, experience the, the graciousness that God has lavished upon them, and I've come that they might have that in their actual experience. And not be miserable, not be constantly worried that they're going to do something wrong on a Saturday afternoon because it's the Sabbath. They're going to live life in such a way as to know the fullness of what God intended. Because this life, this life is in its own way a reflection of that which is to come. But not if we make it miserable. Not if we make it horrible by a bunch of dumb rules and regulations. Not if we make it miserable by by submitting ourselves to some form of slavery, whether it's to some despot or some addiction or whatever it may be, whenever we submit ourselves to any kind of slavery, whenever we, we deny our freedom and refuse to walk in freedom, then we're not living as Christ wants us to live. And then we're not experiencing life as, as the Lord wants us to experience it. Because when that day comes, when we find ourselves on the other side, what we're going to realize is that this is not that which was really real. It's that that is really real, and this is just a shadow. This is just an inkling of that which is to come. So Jesus wants to us to experience the fullness of life, abundant life, so that we might best anticipate the reality of the kingdom of God and live it and experience it in the here and now. That's a message I got when I was like 17 years old at a Young Life meeting. It stuck with me. God didn't want me as a high school kid to be a miserable kid. And I thought, that's pretty nice. He wants me to have fun to do dumb stuff, not to do stuff that enslaves me, but to do dumb stuff, fun stuff. So I was with my buddy. I had a little MG convertible. And we had water balloons for no good reason at all. And of course, it was a convertible. So we pulled up behind two cute girls, and we both took a water balloon and lobbed it into the car in front of us. Um, I don't think we hit either one of them, but it was fun, nevertheless. Then that week, my dad got a letter from the police department <laughs> that he had been throwing water balloons because the car was registered in his name. Apparently, it was the girl's dad right behind me. 
And that's what I did. I laughed. My dad laughed. And somehow that, that was to me kind of an experience, what it's like. Just a small thing about what it's like to live life abundantly. And not to, oh, you shouldn't do that. Not to live with that kind of onus hanging over me. But instead to, to, to get into life and experience it and to know it. And, and in so doing, have those precious moments where the reality of the kingdom breaks in. And it's hard to even to describe what that is, but there are times when the reality of God's, of God's kingdom breaks in, in the present. And then I have eyes to see it and a heart to feel it. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the gate. This is a great reference. Out in the country, the sheepfolds were often little caves or very small enclosures, and the shepherd himself would lay at the opening of the sheepfold, would stand and act as the gate to the sheepfold, and would know his own sheep. And in they would come. And the sheep knows the shepherd. And the shepherd knows the sheep by name. He named them. And then, of course, he would stay there all night long. And if he heard anything, he was on watch to protect the sheep. So Jesus uses that image to describe himself as the good shepherd, the one who is going to lead the people and and give them a sense of what it means to, to belong to him and to be in, in his oversight and, and in his safety. So the good shepherd watches out for the sheep. And, and in that, Jesus also says that, you know, there, there are more sheep out there than, than what are just here at this festival here at this fall festival that we've got going on here, here at the Feast of Tabernacles. There's a whole Gentile world out there, and they too will hear my voice. They too will one day understand and hear my voice, and the sheep will know the shepherd, and they will come in. And C.S. Lewis is the last battle. He tells the story of going further in and further up, coming out of this world and going into the world that has been prepared for us. And standing at the gate is Aslan, the lion who represents Christ. So he is the, the one standing at the gate. And all of the creatures go flowing in, but they would look at the face of Aslan and they would either love him or turn away in fear. And those who came in were not just the Narnians, but also the Calormians, those who were the outsiders, also the animals. They all came rushing in, and, and they would see the face of Aslan, they would see the face of Christ, and either love him or fear him. The good shepherd loves the sheep. The good shepherd 
loves his children. And he carries all of their brokenness, their sin, all of their indiscretions, etc. He carries those on his body and he is crucified on our behalf. He bears our sin on the cross and he dies for us. Why? So that we might have life abundantly. Not just in the here and now, but the there and then. So that we might know the fullness of life day in, day out, and when our days are done. A good shepherd knows the sheep. He knows you. He knows me. He knows your heart. He knows your experience. He loves you. He longs to be in a personal relationship with you. Will you join me in prayer? And so, Father, as we come to your table, we're reminded that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he does so not as a victim, but as a victor. And so we receive your word and we receive your gift. And we declare ourselves your own. I pray in Jesus' name. On the night when our Lord was betrayed, when he had given thanks, he took bread and broke it. And offering it to, to his disciples, he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this remembering me. And in like manner, our Savior took the cup I said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this all in remembrance of me. And as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we show forth our Lord's death until he comes again. The body of our Savior Christ, take, eat. blood of the covenant shed for you.
Now, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your Son and for the gift of abundant life, which you long for us to know. Life fully engaged, fully accountable, fully experienced through the love of your Son, our Savior Christ, in whose name we pray and after whose name we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.